Alright, disclaimer. Um, I already filmed me talking about this, but I'll, I'll put it here too. Because I'll just announce it. Uh, come here. For this mission, if you choose to accept it, I have already watched Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Um, earlier today, I took my mom. Uh, it was for a 125 session in IMAX. Uh, surprisingly, it's out from today onwards. Uh, there were 8.30 sessions yesterday in IMAX, but um, today, got, got a chance to watch it. Um, again, disclaimer, I've watched it. We do talk about it, but we talk about like who's the next Tom Cruise when it comes to stunts and practicality and practical visual effects and, and stuff like that and box office against Barbenheimer. Um, but yeah, yeah, disclaimer, I have already watched it. He's going to watch it next week and then we'll review it next week. Great. I know nothing else to say until next week. Kia ora and welcome to the Movie Bros Podcast. I am your host, Rickman King, with my co-host, Epsilon. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Thank you for having me on again. No, that's fine. Uh, now, this week sees the release of Mission Possible Day Reckoning Part 1 in cinemas right now in all formats, including IMAX. The film does not release until later next week in different regions around the world. But this week, we did not have the chance to see it, well, apart from myself, but we will be predicting uh, its impact on the box office and on cinema itself, see whether it is another Top Gun Maverick again. Um, and then, we will be discussing the first three episodes of Warrior and Secret Invasion two incredible television series currently streaming on Neon, New Zealand and Disney Plus. Along with topics we will discuss our best uh, uh, best films, games, along those types um, and different pieces of media. Uh, we have a lot to talk about so let's get down to it. Um, now Mission Impossible Day Reckoning Part 1 Um, I will not go into full, uh, uh, anything, really. Um, let's just pretend there's a clean slate, we haven't seen it. Yep. Um, <laughs> Epsilon, what do you think of Tom Cruise and doing his stunts at the age of, I think he's 61 now. Oh, I think he just he turned... he's getting up there in the 80s, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And from the trailers that you've seen, or, or any behind-the-scenes footage, mm. what do you think uh, of Tom Cruise's stunts at such an age? Well... I gotta tell you, I feel as though at that age, uh, he's starting to get up there in the age. He's, he's along the lines of as, as what happened with Harrison Ford, for example, mm. getting the, near the, the age of that. Uh, he's 61, I believe he is. I, I think he is. Uh, I'll, yes. I'll have a double check, but yes, yes. he is definitely getting up in age. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, I feel as though this might be one of his last best uh, action movies, other than a part two of this film, to come out. Oh, definitely. Um, yes, he is 61. Um, crazy. Um, and yes, I feel like he is the last movie star um, in Hollywood right now, because of how much um, he puts into his films and how much love. Um, 
Do you think this movie could hit Top Gun Maverick anticipation or box office? That would be quite difficult to say. I unfortunately I'm not predicting that amount with this movie. It's, uh, purely because of reason, because it's part one, and mm. I have come to the notion that most part one movies have a difficult time reaching high numbers due to the lacking conclusion that comes out with them. Uh, however, there have been outliers such as Spider-Man, Across the Spider-Verse, and like uh, Avengers. Oh yes, definitely. Uh, especially with Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, I think when people go watch this movie it will kind of leave on a similar feel uh, maybe not synopsis wise but feels like maybe this is not a complete story and uh, there's so much more to tell um, but yes looking at the box office that Top Gun Maverick made back last year 1.5 million dollars a year um, unless uh, people really like this film a lot Yes. Um, it could make over a billion, but uh, it's again, it's just part one of two films. Yes, and the Mission Impossible series has been going on for several years now, I believe. I think since 1997. Yes. 1996. Um, oh uh, yes, 96. <clears throat> and also further down from from the TV show that came out. Much earlier, um, I think mm. around the seventies or eighties that this yes, this yes. franchise is based on, and how successful it is. Um, after Fallout and the previous Mission Impossible movie, I don't, th- I do think a lot of people's expectations are very high because of how incredible that film was back in yes, twenty eighteen. Office of around eight hundred mil, if I remember correctly. Yes, um, that should have made over a billion in my personal opinion because yes it's, however yeah unfortunately i believe the advertisement was quite weak for that movie if i remember correctly they had uh, it was prominent but it wasn't as impactful as some of the more stronger named uh advertisements oh oh definitely uh, i think the main catch for this film was henry cavill um mm. like reloading his arms and then punching someone in the bathroom that yes. was kind of like the money shot but with this movie it's him jumping off a cliff yes. with a bike I'm like okay okay um but yes I, I do think Mission Possible Dave Reckoning Part 1 is going to do well at the box office to be fully honest I don't know how the audience will take this movie um again repeating myself it is part one of two but I Everybody was happy with how Across the Spider-Verse came out, and I think Mission Impossible could do the same thing. I'm um, expecting a box office around 700k. That 700? is my expectation for uh, now. Do you, do you mean 700 million? Yes, 700 million, sorry. Yes, okay. Yes. Um, how well do you think this movie will do with the loomingness of Barbenheimer? I meant Barbie and Oppenheimer. Um, coming to cinemas very soon. The issue with this film is the fact that it's slotted in a time frame where a lot of expectation is on Barbie, as well as previous expectations to Spider-Man. So mm. I am expecting a lot of skipping to occur during this film. And more so this film becomes a watch-at-home streaming sort of film. 
Yeah, well, I kind of agree with that. Um, I do think you should watch this on the biggest cinema possible yeah. because of yeah. how major some of these scenes are. But it is this movie is a lot of um, exposition, so I would see some people go, maybe I'll just watch it at home and... I can see people being on their phones during those quiet scenes, but they're so pivotal. Um, but with Barbie and Oppenheimer coming out, especially on the same day, and Barbie being PG and Oppenheimer being maybe R sixty, I think it is. Yes. Um, from what I heard, um, Florence Pugh has a has a full nude scene with Killian Murphy, so maybe it's pushing that R sixteen. But um, from track records, Christopher Nolan does very well at the box office, um, and. Barbie's Barbie, so I think Tom Cruise may have a challenge on his hands to maybe even reach 700 million. What are your thoughts on that? I have to agree with that, and it's not due to the movie being terrible, it's mostly timing being an unfortunate choice of release. Yeah, it's kind of... Oh, you. You keep going. I know, for a lot of films. That's what Uh, yeah, I was about to bring up in Transformers, where it was just slated into June out of nowhere, even if it were released on June 9th or June 25th, which was released here. It was still wedged in, for, <laughs> and it felt bad. I feel like Mission Possible Dead Reckoning Part 1 would have done well in maybe October? Yes, so we, we yeah. should have been its own uh, time-slotted series. Yeah, looking further into the year, there's not that many big major films. Uh, I get they want to bring in the summer blockbusterness vibe, but I think films like Mission Possible, Indiana Jones, and Transformers could have been released later in the year. Yes. Um, along with these stunts, uh, do you think there will be anybody else in Hollywood to this day that would do the crazy amount of stunts that Tom Cruise does? Because in this movie, he he he's riding on a train at sixty miles per hour, yes, um, yes. and he's jumping off cliffs, skydiving. Looks like he's on holiday. <laughs> I Do, actually yeah. want to say, possibly Jackie Chan is still a viable option. Oh yeah, Jackie Chan's definitely an option. Yes, he is getting up there in the age of around sixty-nine. However, he is still able to do major action scenes. In my opinion but do you think there's anyone in hollywood today that could do that apart from like the oldies with the current yes. uh, cast that mm, maybe tom holland maybe has the mm. possibility yeah um johnny depp definitely could oh yes uh johnny depp 100 percent could mm. um but with Tom Holland, I think they could have done something like Tom Cruise mm. uh, with Uncharted, but they went yes. more CGI yes. than anything. Um, yes. It kind of hurt the film. But yes. this this movie really showed that Uncharted could have been practical and looked really good. I would um, like to see possibly Matt Damon in a lot of action scenes. Yeah, Matt Damon. Yeah. I mean, we can go back to Jason Bourne. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, Jason Bourne style, which I'm, I'm surprised that that camera work hasn't been overdone mm. today. Um, it's more static instead of frantic. Mm. But yeah, I think Matt Damon could, could do another action series. We also have Ryan Reynolds being Deadpool again soon. 
I am yes. hoping to see some great action from that movie as well as the comedic releases. And yeah, Ryan Reynolds could do more action films. Um, he does stuff for, for Netflix, mm. like Red Notice with Dwayne Johnson and Gal Gadot. But yes. yeah, I think he could do more more action films. But he does have Hitman's Bodyguard. Um, yes. That's one. But other than that, I think if there's any new actors from, from today who could do it... Um, Maybe Zendaya? Oh, I'm just following the Tom Holland train. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Zendaya <laughs> feels more emotional characteristics, I believe. Oh, yeah, especially with something like Euphoria Online. But I feel like if she wants to step into an action mm. oh. genre, yeah. Mm. I did want to say, uh, for example, Thor's movie with... Uh, Thor Love and Thunder was a little bit disappointing that Chris Chris Hemsworth had a, like a lacking of action scenes yeah uh, I feel like the whole <laughs> movie lacked um, a little mm. bit of action um, mm. compared to Thor Ragnarok but um, the action still looked stylized it's very CG heavy but uh, yeah I feel like Chris Hemsworth bulked up just for the appearances yes it didn't but, feel like yeah. there was a meaning to his bulking yeah exactly uh, like we see him chisel um, cake <laughs> physique you know but yes. um, yeah Thor Love and Thunder disappointing on the action side when it comes to actual um, Chris, uh, Chris, Chris Hemsworth fighting but yeah I don't see any other big Hollywood actor in the young range right now um, doing what Tom Cruise does, so Tom yes. Cruise is God right now when it comes to <laughs> he, is, he is keeping the old within uh, live within uh, Hollywood. Yeah, um, but Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One is a film that could make or break um, fans of the f- series, or maybe new fans. Uh, that's just my perspective. Yes. Um, but when you go watch it next week, we'll, we'll come sit down and then we can have a full depth talk about this. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. Um, I won't give a rating because oh, I'll give it a week. I'll mellow it out. But yeah. once you watch it, we'll get your thoughts on it yeah, yeah, and how fine. you feel. Anyway, that is Mission Impossible Day Reckoning, our discussion. Um, now we're on to we ain't just the movie bros we are now the television bros alongside um the film department we will be talking about two um not really major well one's major the other one's more underrated and television series we will be talking about warrior um from jonathan tripper Starring Andrew Koji, Olivia Chang, and Josh Tobin. Um, Epsilon, how how was your experience with Warrior Season 1 and 2? We'll, we'll stay there. Well, I have to say, Season 1 was very on the nose of combat. And very destructive with its gory uh, aspects. It showed the brutal underside of Chinatown during the night, uh, I believe the late... 1800s. 1800s, yes. And it, it starred uh, Andrew Koji as Asan, 
He was a very prominent martial artist who just came to America to find, I believe, a girl. Yes. Uh, which would be his sister. And the series has very much a try, try uh, perspective uh, story showcase where one story is about Assam and the group of the uh, Tongs. And then we move towards the American perspective of the cops, with which generally had uh, Richard uh, Henry as Tom Winston Jones, if I remember. Yes. And uh, we also had the cop. Oh, sorry, Richard Henry Lee, the goat, the Lee, Lee's the goat, okay, okay, Uh, I'm sorry, I gotta, I gotta interrupt, Lee went from L-E-E to L-I, instantly. Damn it, you self-righteous little press plate! And we had the third perspective of, uh, Mai Ling, which was Mm -hmm. Asam's sister, and her side of this Chinese war that was occurring within the aspects, and many different villains are presented throughout the film mm. many stories are sidetracked many stories I felt they had a very nice flow to it throughout the series season 1 and 2 beautifully encapsulates what Bruce Lee wanted in the first place with his characters screen the character of Assam who he would have played if he was still with us today yeah. um, but what Andrew Koji does perfectly is not only is he a stuntman slash martial artist in the real world he's also through um, f- facials, uh, pause, 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 pause. What did he say? Um, through through body language and expressions, and that really captures his character really well. And I wanted to touch upon um, Mai Ling, incredible character, very devious in moments, but yet soft and sweet in others. Um, he was a very strong antagonist, and she is still, I believe, the antagonist. Yes, um, Mai Ling is definitely the antagonist within Season 3, but um, within Season 2, I think I want to... I, I so just want to jump into Episode 9, because I personally think it's one of the greatest episodes of television, um, because it carries drama, and then it carries mm. character, and then action on top of that. <laughs> Um, but Mai Ling's character actually brings, uh, she's kind of dialed down when she's with, spoiler alert, our toy and helping her uh, recuperate in bed. And she's got a softer side, which is the Mai Ling our son remembers. Mm. But when he, uh, when he came to San Francisco for the first time, he got Mai Ling instead of his sister. So, um... I do like the contrast between Assam and Mai Ling, but they're very much the same when it comes to their goals in season three. The China. characteristics yeah. seem very portrayed very similar. Where in the end, Assam seems more like a figurehead than Young Jun. Yeah, um, Assam, especially in season three, as we're coming up mm. to the fourth episode tomorrow night. Uh, tomorrow mm. afternoon um, there's definitely a division within um, the Tongs especially both um, between Leong and Mai Ling and Asam and Young Jun uh, we're getting into season 3 uh, right now especially with mm. episode 1 <laughs> to 3 
Um, how did you feel about the um, collapsing relationship between Leong, played by Joe Taslam, and Myling? I felt like somewhat it was evidential that it was going to happen sooner or later, mm. due to the fact that there was a continuous push uh, within uh, Myling's character where she would act more upon her own benefit than others. Yeah. While Asung was thinking more along the lines of for everybody. And especially, um, this is very evidential when uh, she, I think she and Chow, uh, like, spoiler alert people, um, they, they ratted out a Chinese man. Who was the servant, manservant, mm. and the Chinese man got hung, and then a, a, a chaos erupted, essentially, and war happened at the end, around the end of season two. Um, yeah, that was such a um, heavy scene, um, and I, I also want to touch upon back in season two, there was an incredible conversation between Assam and Larry. Uh, episode 10 talking about why the Chinese don't belong here but Assam's yes. also saying wait where are you born uh, you're yeah. Irish mm. you were brought here on slave ships as well to work mm. why is mm. it our fault that was a great conversation I think the whole scene lasted five six minutes and it was just yes, talking the bar scene was very strong yeah, from Assam being so uptight and thinking he's the best at m most things to kind of, spoiler alert, at the beginning of episode 10, Marlene comes across a graffiti of Assam with his nunchucks in, in the nunchuck scene in the previous episode. And that shows, wait, Assam's kind of this beacon of hope, which Bruce Lee was for many of us. Mm. And he now has to showed that responsibility because everyone knows him he's he's got so much on his shoulders and that scene alone shows that he's been the bigger man and saying hey wait let's talk this out then i'll beat the shit out of you to larry um quick question how do you think uh how are your feelings on larry as a character larry seems like the generic uh white big boss mafia villain he feel, it feels like he has a goal in mind. And uh, Dean plays Larry amazingly, by the way. <laughs> but um, it, it comes off with his character being a very conniving uh, but honest man. He thinks for his people, however, he thinks more so along of cause and action, never the bigger picture. Yeah, that um, very oh, definitely. Um, yeah, I see Larry's character, especially again with the end of episode 10, season 2, where he becomes a politician. Um, that fists don't always do the talking, he he has to talk himself to represent his people. I, I see his, his point of view, he wants his people to do well, we want our people to do well, but the way he goes about it is is really it's not conventional um epsilon one question how do you feel about sophie i think she is one of the 
worst characters in this show <laughs> with what she does to her yes. sister and everything. Oh, what are your opinions on that? So, Sophie Mercer. Oh. It was very tough to actually, like, see why she was a character that we would even want. Mm. And especially, like, during the, the scene, yeah? Yes. Uh, yeah, it was very... How do I think? She seemed like a character that didn't really need to be there. But also has, like, very big impacts in the story. Yep, very dumb impacts. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. But also at the same time, uh, with the addition of the crew, uh, who was it? Hong? Was it? Yes, yes, yes. Hong, the goat. Hong, yeah. I believe Hong was. Hong's character seemed very forced into the role of the third. Wait, uh, third uh, big brother. In the series, and it just what? felt very unnecessary. Why you gonna do my boy Hong like that, man? Well, if you watch his first intro, kind of yeah. felt very forced with his character being all this. That I thought he was gonna turn into a villain with how much information he knew. Yeah, but the fact that he just became, you know, best boy, man, yeah. Hong, 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 the man. Uh, but yeah, I I understand where you're coming from with Hong. But along with the Sophie thing, um, <laughs> spoilers, uh, I think it's episode 7 or 8 where the mm. mayor gets hit on the back of the head mm. by um, by Penny's um, servant. Yes. And I, I'm bad with names. And is running away. Penny's just saying, get out of Chinatown run away somewhere and Sophie's little mouth goes it's him and then when when he's getting hung Sophie's like no don't do that it was very confusing <laughs> to uh, why like she was acting like that oh uh, her character hey, seems very like forced again yeah and also when um I think it's episode 3 um, when she goes to Larry, like here's where you can get the underground part of the yes. of the Mercer building, blow it up, and then she goes home and it's like a penny sleeping, and she's like, "I'm so sorry." No, bitch, you ain't. You ain't. <laughs> you caused, hate her. She caused this to occur, so she's literally at fault there. She caused so many issues, but I think. We needed a character like her to push further her into, narrative. yeah, especially with the American slash Irish side, because the most um, appealing side is definitely in Chinatown with Assam, Leong. Uh, one lady. thing I loved about the camera works mm. was the ability for them to uh, to be able to talk in one language as the camera shifts around and then it goes to English. <laughs> Used to be the Chinatown squad was a joke, and they got half the police force cracking skulls. Yeah, um, especially I was I was hoping they would do something like this, not just straight. Hey, they're talking English, 
when they first did that in episode one, that that took me by shock. I was like, "Oh, this is awesome!" Yes. Um, but when they talk to um, someone like Bill or Lee, um, someone like Charles speaking in broken English, and then yes. we go back to them talking in proper English, uh, I do like that. They keep it continuous. There's a continuity to the it's, accent. It's, it felt very fresh and like stable in that kind of uh, arc of characteristics in the movie in the series sorry how did you feel about because we're now into more season 3 and yep. Young Jun's recklessness this season how do you feel about that I feel that he's been egged on more so via Sam mm. he's being well he Young Jun is a great uh, character of himself yeah. he is what we would call a true blood brother where he would die for the person he trusts and it feels like Sam's taking uh, what is it taking advantage of uh, Young Yoon's uh, naivety and uh, Father Jun sees this however Young Jun's character is also was required I believe for the tongues to survive yeah, um, uh, with last season, with the big bombshell, my Ling said, Oh, yeah, I don't want to be involved with my brother. That that just fucked up everything with, yes. between the relationship of Young Jun and Assam. How did you feel about how that affects the season? I feel as though Assam will have his chance to prove himself to Young Jun. Mm. And there will be a last confrontation between Assam and Myling. Yeah, I, I do see that coming. Um, but I also kind of want to see a confrontation between Young Jun and, and Assam. Mm. Kind of like Young Jun fighting out his anger to mm. Assam. Um, instead of just yelling at each other, I kind of want to see um, mm. his, their expressions, how they. And fight against each other. How much Young Jun has learned from Assam, and how much Assam mm. has learned from Young Jun, and see a, such a powerful scene between them two, kind of like a dance. Yes. Um, but instead of choreographed um, fighting, yeah, it's, yeah, instead of dancing or fight your ways, they literally fight each mm. other. But I, I think they do kind of see the bigger picture at the end mm. of the day. And they'll go. Myling's a big, big hassle. We need she, to. I yeah. feel as though uh, moving on to the uh, topic of where we will see this end. Hmm. I believe Assam is gonna. Uh, Assam might end. Myling might die as as the final end, as the Tongs finally take over as the main gang or some uh, as young Jun might sacrifice himself as well yeah those are big possibilities yeah yeah um I I, I see more young Jun sacrificing himself and mm. Assam being the leader of the hopway but I feel like it's all been leading to Assam as the leader of the hopway what if he doesn't become it and young Jun's still there but Young Jun's now, hey, I trust his arm. Um, mm. He's he's my brother. 
and we can still reconcile and then we see another few seasons of mm-hmm. Young Jun in charge but instead of being more reckless like with the counterfeit money um, because that's going to be um, that's going to be discussed in the later episodes um, yes. Young Jun may look at himself and go wait what am I doing here reconcile with Assam and go we need to lead the tongs my lings swallowing other tongs up um, other um though, yeah yeah and it's gonna get messy this season um now with uh cinemax not being a thing anymore um hbo max took over the rights of um warrior the one thing that i was worried about is if they tried toning down everything um, uh, yes, I, yes, yes. yeah i do want to talk about the lack of nudity or sex sequences it's, it's uh, a weird topic but it's cinemax cinemax was straight porn but with hbo max's takeover with the lack of that how do you feel i feel as though there was still a lot of it mm. especially within the first two seasons uh, but i feel as though at the moment it would be a correct time to have a little less than previously because the story is roughing up to its uh apex i would say yeah so i am currently fine with it i wouldn't say if it's any worse or better uh in season three but hopefully in season four there's more uh grotesqueness i guess and like yeah whatever it expresses during that time period but for now for now it feels like a correct amount due to its uh, setback uh, with especially with what we want to be pushed in more story-wise to mm. focus on what will happen next due to the chaos that happened yeah talking about um, looking forward to different seasons and how violent it got I feel like this season is actually pretty violent compared to the first two um, especially with the first um, fight sequence with Assam versus uh, the long Z, um, there's there's ankles being sliced open, which we barely get to see. We see them from afar, but we see close-ups of these bones splitting in half, and hands being sliced off, which we barely got to see in the first two seasons, where we just saw necks getting sliced or arms or heads getting punched in. But I feel like they are more going into the more visceral side, uh, as they have a much bigger budget. Uh, compared to being with Cinemax, where Cinemax was dying, and Warrior, which they hoped would save the platform, didn't mm. because it's such a niche property and nobody knows about it. But go watch it. Um, but I do think, yeah, in the later seasons, they're gonna get more violent. Um, mm. It just depends on the character development. Will Assam be much darker and be more violent? Maybe, but this season he seems to be chilled back. Um, quick question. Um, there is a romance brewing with Assam and the printing girl. Um, yes. What are your thoughts about that and how will it go badly? I feel as though, specifically with the federal side, they're going to mm. find out she's the printer. Mm. And they're going to have her interrogated. She might die due to a, a war between the Chinese factions. Yeah. Or she might get brutally murdered by the Irish and the police. <clears throat> yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like either she's gonna take Assam down with her, or she's gonna sacrifice herself for Assam in some capacity. But I feel like her character, um, there's there's only one fate to her, which would be death. But so far, I do like her character, and um, she does say some funny stuff, um, like when Assam's playing with, uh, not playing, training with nunchucks, and she's like, You have fun playing with your wood. Silly stuff like that actually makes me happy in such a visceral time period for Chinese culture mm-hmm. within America. How many more seasons do you think the show could continue? Is it a Game of like Thrones? six seasons. Six seasons? I, I yes. do see that. Um, a lot of people were saying five, maybe, uh, Let's see how powerful Mei Ling may become. I want season. to see Mei Ling fall around season five or six, like the last season, is where I wish to see her fall. Yeah, um, such a powerful character as well, um, and yeah, I think five or six seasons could be good, um, especially with the ten episode block that they have. Um, I think, yeah. I think Warrior would be really good for five to six seasons. Um, and I think that's all for season one, two, and three. Uh, recap of Warrior. Episode four comes out tomorrow on Neon New Zealand at 12 p.m. Now we move on to the next topic: Secret Invasion. Uh, Dongan, quickly, I want your thoughts on the show. Okay. So, <laughs> I have to say, it's a very powerful, uh, was a little bit lacking compared to, you know, what we generally see within uh, Marvel Studios uh, TV series. Mm-hmm. Especially with, like, Loki, uh, <clears throat> Moon Knight. And whatnot. However, it does have a very significant impact within the story. It is about Nick Fury and his whole mindset. Yeah, um, this is it's finally Marvel's coming back to grounded um, territory. We're looking at even though uh, yeah, I would say Falcon Winter Soldier was the last time we went grounded. We've all been mystical gods or in no, space. However, yeah. And also, like, She-Hulk was very much a stain. Hey, don't, <laughs> saying... don't, don't ruin my girl She-Hulk. Hey, nah, no, 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 I, I, I agree to a certain amount. But, yeah, Secret Invasion is, it's been nine months since She-Hulk. Well, if I remember, She-Hulk's, like, audience score was very lacking. Yes, audience score lacking, critic score pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. It was an 8, I remember, for critic score. The 10. However, I do have mm-hmm. to say, yes. the reason for She-Hulk's, like, failure, compared to, like, something like WandaVision, you know, was very evident. It, it was very uh, much, you knew why. Yeah, the CG wasn't great most it, of the time. Yeah, however, the characters were also pretty much lacking. Mate, in a lot of- talk about Jen. 
no, Tatiana. Uh, oh yeah, she was kind of forced. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, Jennifer. Uh, mm. I thought you meant Titania. I was like, Titania is forced, but Tatiana Maslany did a great job with the script that she got given. Um, but yeah, anyway, we're not talking about She-Hulk. We're talking about nine months yes, later. Yes. We're talking about Secret <laughs> Invasion. Hopefully, and... hopefully, Secret Invasion is able to push back all this negativity that occurred, and we will be able to see everything that has happened like with the scrolls and whatnot yeah um personal opinion i do think as someone said this on on twitter and got scorned for it but i kind of agree this feels like captain marvel 2 but it's now nick fury's story but um i do see the comparisons um with the scrolls especially um but I love how this is Nick Fury-centric. We get to see his mindset, especially after the blip, and how he's actually changed as a character. And if he led the Avengers as he did in 2012, it would mm. kind of go into turmoil because he doesn't know his own morale. Mm. Um, how do you think? Uh, how do you feel about Nick Fury and his kind of inner monologue, inner warfare with himself, and how would that affect? the rest of the show I would like to see more of it it's very much something that's more uh, newer I would say in within mm-hmm. the Marvel series other than like something like Daredevil I believe yeah yes it feels like this the series is trying to push something that we would need to see for the continuation of the Marvel Universe <clears throat> Yeah, um, I, I, th- I think I wrote it down somewhere, but I broke down phase phase four to six in yes. different segments, uh, where we have our multiversal saga, which is currently still happening, but not as much as everybody's been saying. And then we have our B plot of the MCU phase four to six, is, is which includes the grounded stuff, which is mm. your secret evasion your falcon with a soldier your thunderbolt your armored wars mm. which is very important to the everlasting nature of the mcu and who can you trust and having your favorite avengers be scrolls and then we go into next year with thunderbolts in december where mm. you have a bunch of villains be the avengers basically and you'll and the public will be like who are these bunch of villains? Why are they being heroes? So there's a lack of trust. And then mm. Armored Wars is more AI. How is that going to be done? And then, spoiler alert for um, episode 3, Rhodey at the end turned out to be a scroll, Or working with Gravik in some mm. capacity. How do you feel about Rhodey being a scroll, And how it's now Don Cheadle instead of Terrence Howard? Yeah, I found it very shocking. Hmm. That that was the case, because it felt uh, like the character like Rhodey, the character we trusted. You know, it was a character that existed forever, but you know, it it was a very much a shocker, I guess. Yeah, and especially when he's so high in the security mm. level with mm. the president, and was friends um, with uh, you know, with uh, Tony. Yeah. Um, I do find it funny that Don Cheadle is, is a scroll, 
because he masked himself as James Rhodes while Terrence yes. Howard played him in 2008. And yeah, I, yeah. I think either they're going for that gag or he's literally Rhodes, even Terrence Howard would have been a scroll this whole time infiltrating such a high um, purpose. But um, I... Th- um, uh, what are your opinions on the relationship between Gaia and Gravik? And also, the surprising twists at the end of episode 3, which took me by surprise. Well, I would say I would like to see how it goes fully. Because mm. the ending, specifically, yeah, yeah, was very much a shocker to me, personally. Knowing the fact that, uh, what was it? At the end, Gaia getting shot. Do you oh, think yeah. she actually got shot, or does she have what we're gonna talk about next? <clears throat> I'm expecting her to have powers. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Regeneration seems like a very evident thing in Marvel Cinematic Universes, especially because we don't know what like, powers these aliens have. I guess. Yeah. Uh, what are your opinions on the Super Scrolls without the Fantastic Four? I think they have Extremis, Frostbeast, Groot's arm maybe, and something else. And uh, What are your opinions on that? I'm more so looking forward to seeing how the directors will be, specifically for this movie, will be changing that. Because it mm. feels like if we don't get Fantastic Four before this, yeah? Yeah be a severe amount of lacking story and dialogue to this yeah um i i like every time i hear subscribe i think oh um human torch the thing yeah mr fantastic invisible woman but um they do kind of touch upon that in fantastic four rise of the silver surfer but that's a that's a different mm. sh- bloody shitty movie um <laughs> but I think the Super Scrolls being introduced in this show, and especially with Gravik's, um, when everyone's saying, what will the Avengers come? Gravik's like, uh, well, I got a plan. And I think the first... I'm glad they didn't show the transformation of him actually gaining the powers. The yes. first time we see it is in such a visceral moment for, mm. for the MCU, when he slices his hand open. Um, and Extremis comes out. I think that's a great way to show that, oh, he has powers. Um, mm. Instead of... It's, it's great visual storytelling. Um, now, again, with Grounded Marvel back, everybody's not happy because they think it's boring or slow. What are same your opinions as, on that? Same sequence over and over, if, if that's the statement. Yeah. I yeah. see why. I see why. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the generic Marvel formula, it's been stable, it hasn't changed, because, you know, it's a very safe format. Yes. However, what I feel is, is happening is it's being overdone, to the point where it it's becoming cliche, in other sense. Yeah, um, She-Hulk does make fun of it in its season finale, um, and such a... not gonna stop me just gonna break this inhibitor real quick all right let's see here 
How? Uh, yeah, no. Ah, marvelous temple. That'll do. The meta and funny way, but yeah, I I feel like people are treating uh treating this show like it's. Andor, and I think, I think this is Marvel's Andor. I uh, guess yeah. you continue. No, um, I would like to say it began like around for me specifically. It, it began around uh, Wakanda Forever. Mm. So I personally can't push the narrative where it's like you know, it's the same process works over and over. So why change it? It's, it's slowly becoming the idea where it's becoming a very boring generic way of design you know yeah many other studios are also taking that into account but but the whole marvel formula has been there for for years it's just mm. your regular hero's journey 3x structure but i think it's so overdone to the point where people can predict it now and then having something like again she hulk changed it to where she's even questioning why do we have to have a big battle at the end of the series it doesn't need to be a big battle the marvel cinematic universe is known for its big spectacles and high stakes plot lines but it's often said that marvel movies all end the same way wait who's saying that perhaps this is a result of following some unwritten rule that you have to throw a bunch of plot and flash and a whole blood thing that seems super suspiciously close to Super Soldier Serum at the audience in the climax. And then also in Guardians where it wasn't so much a massive scale battle, it was just um, defeat the high evolutionary and then get everybody out, kind of, kind of changing. However, in She-Hulk, the comedic pushes was a little too far. With yeah. These we generally expect within these kinds of like series or films or whatever. Yeah, I um... that impacted very negatively between us. So that is where I stand for that kind of idea. Yeah, I, I grew up with She-Hulk comics, and it was always breaking the fourth wall, mm -hmm. meta, funny as hell, girl mm -hmm. power always hits every single line, and I think the show. Did a great job at trying to adapt she that. Hulk? Yes, She-Hulk. Um, she's always been one of my favorite Marvel characters in general. And seeing that she gets a show, and uh, it was okay. uh, hey, hey, bud. So a little hey, biased. Hey, <laughs> hey, bud, hey, hey, bud. Hey, hey. I I grew up with this show. Okay, I, I'm <laughs> old. I'm old. <laughs> we're both old. Okay. <laughs> we're we're both old. We're we're the same age. But hey. Yes. Anyway, back to Secret Invasion. I love how we keep sidetracking to She-Hulk yes. because yeah, it's just there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with, with Secret Invasion, um, how do you think having like scrolls within like the Avengers or maybe the X-Men or Fantastic Four, which we have yet to introduce, how do you think that's going to affect Phase 5 and 6 going on? Depending on which character they introduce, I feel though mm. it's going to have different effects. And also, I think this this specific uh, series is going to dictate how film is going to be produced, which films are going to be joining into the franchise of the cinematic universe. Uh, I would like to see how it goes. 
I would like mm-hmm. to see. I I don't know how many episodes they planned. Um, six episodes, sadly. Six, so we've, we're halfway. Yes. I feel there's going to be a big impact in episode five or six. Yeah, as they usually do with mm-hmm. with these shows. I do wish this was given the Andor treatment of twelve episodes, mm-hmm. kind of flesh out this big, because Secret Invasion in the comics was such a massive event that changed Marvel comics for years to come. But mm-hmm. I'm glad they're kind of giving the spy espionage uh, feeling for for these scrolls that are like on a covert operation. They could be anywhere. It could be anyone, and I I like how they went with this direction. Um, but that is a secret invasion, which you can check on Wednesday at seven p.m. on Disney Plus. Now, we're on to a couple more topics. This one is is a biggie because we'll be discussing. The best films so far, or maybe we may have differing opinions, but best films of the year so far. Um, Epsilon, what is your number one best film this year? Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. It has just hit every note, correct? It has yet to be surpassed. And I feel as though, currently, with the current uh, trend that's happening, it's going to be a hard sell to beat this film, specifically for its impact within the Spider-Man universe. Yeah, um, especially with how relatable someone like Miles is or Gwen and their relationships within uh, within the movie with their parents. And also looking outside of the movie, you're looking at the soundtrack and how much that's selling or streaming. And there's so much going on with this movie. Um, but overall, it's the animation that yes. by the end of yes. the day. Exactly. What are your feelings on the animation? We talked about this last week, how it was it only is. like 45% of the artist's work. Go ahead. How's the I was animation? told it was rushed. Yes. And if this is their rushed work, if this is their rushed work, then their best work would be like two times better than what we've gone for. Oh yeah, um, especially yeah, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is my movie of the year so far. Um, there is no doubt about it. Um, but I. I don't rate it as a full film as it's only part one of two the um, best part is i yes. feel as if the second part would make it even better yeah because give it an ending yeah it's gonna bring a bunch more stuff happening into the world of the spider-verse and it's also the final film of the miles trilogy um so i can't wait to see a bunch of stuff like Live action miles, different miles, different queens. But how they're gonna land it, I have a feeling they will, and it's gonna be an incredible time in cinema. Mm. Do you think they're gonna delay it? I asked this last week, are they gonna delay it? I wish if I wish they wouldn't. But if they make it better, I wouldn't mind waiting. Yeah, if it's if it's delayed till December or something, then mm. yeah, I, I think that would be a great time 
to have it, especially when it comes um, four years after, um, oh, sorry, six years after Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which released in December. Um, but yeah, I I think only the only way they could go is go up, really. Yes. Um, Specifically, if, I feel as though uh, Gwen's and Miles' relationship also needs to be improved upon. Yeah, definitely. I think it'll be highly improved this mm. uh, this next movie. Um, do you think they'll end up together or just mates? I wish they would end up together, but it's very evident that it might not work with the spatial rift between each other. With the what rift? The, the spatial, like, different universes. Universal rift. I thought you said racial. I'm so sorry, my no. dude. Spatial. <laughs> spatial rift. Okay, that makes sense. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll be more platonic than um, love, but especially the way Miles looked at Gwen when Gwen tries to save him. Mm. Um, there's a hurt to Miles. Yes, and she she did it double on him, and I feel like that's gonna affect the entire film yes. as a whole. Um, but yeah, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse still in cinemas. Um, go watch it. Um, definitely a must watch. Definitely, definitely a must watch. Um, it sh- it will be on Netflix in a couple of months. Not not advertising to watch it in s- streaming. Go watch it in cinemas. But that is, we're both agreeing that is our favorite film this year. Another film mm. I want to discuss is John Wick Chapter 4, Mr. Ooh. Wick. So, Ooh. this is what I would have seen as the perfect ending to a film. A film trilogy, a film, no, it's not a trilogy anymore, is it? It's Quadrilogy, a, I think. It's a, it's a quartet for a film series, yeah? And this is the type of movie i would have liked to see for indiana jones ending as well where everything just fit all endings came together and officially gave john wick the final resting that it required and keanu reeves acting was just on point the action sequences were amazing all all uh, uh story was perfectly headed towards the direction that we wanted to see yeah um john wick chapter four um such a special place in my heart with how i think that's the reason why chapter four may be a little higher than spider-verse in my book narratively because it's a complete story um but the way the action moved the the camel work moved and there are certain sequences where um the uh, chad stahilski and his dop just let the scene breathe kind of when um john's drifting um around paris and he's just keeping the camera on him and not cutting into the car or cutting to the to the bad guy it's just keeping the car uh keeping the whole frame on the car while it's drifting kind of giving that breathiness having the audience go from john wick being chucked at a car or being (laughs) being crashed by a car it would have been a lot worse with that kind of narrative 
Yeah, kind of, kind of the Jason Bourne effect where it's just constantly cutting, constantly shaky. Yeah. But it gets the audience to sit back and just breathe a little, then go back into the action. That's what I kind of love about this series. Mm. How um, you would think if if you were just a non, uh, just a casual fan, then you'll think, oh, they wrote the action scenes, then wrote the story. I feel like they are both written at the same time. It's such yeah, a yeah. simple story about a dog that gets murdered and <laughs> it's come down to John oh, such a beautiful film and I don't think there's anything more perfect than that apart from Across the Spider-Verse um, now a, a, another film that I want to touch upon I actually yeah. rewatched it yesterday I bought it on streaming yeah. The Guardians Volume 3 Oh, that's a pretty old one. Yes, um, coming up May fifth. Um, do you have any changing thoughts, or are they uh, or are they the same? Uh, I would say my thoughts haven't changed as much as mm-hmm. like films such as Indian Jones and stuff like that. However, yes. it was a very strong end to it, to the story of the Gu- Guardians with the introduction to the new Guardians at the end. Mm-hmm. However, the the, the fact that uh, Star Lord will return was a very big impact. I missed the fact. Okay, I was a little saddened at the fact, though. Yeah, yeah. That Gamora's and Peter Quill interaction wasn't like something that we could reminisce upon. Um, so maybe like even though Gamora doesn't have the memories, you know, she could act somewhat like the way old Gamora used to. Right? Um, after rewatching it last night, there is definitely. A, a beautiful interaction at the very end between Quill and Gamora. Yes, Gamora's no, no, like, like yeah. during the filming, in the between, like not at he, the end where she's saying goodbye. Oh uh, yeah, I think we kind of need a hardened Gamora just to show off. Oh yeah, if she didn't meet Peter, she would be the worst self. Mm. Um, but then she has the realization at the very end of the film. Oh wait, I do kind of like this dude. Maybe not to the point to to marry yeah. him or be a boyfriend. It wasn't it but, wasn't relationship type, but more respect. Yeah, it was like now I I I, I see his worth, <laughs> mm. kind of like that. But yeah, um, I think you touched upon before um, about Rocket. Um, what were your feelings about Rocket's backstory? Such it was very impactful mm. and emotional. It had the works of a great uh, backstory, and it showed why Rocket acted in the way he does, and gave gave us reason to enjoy his character more, as he grows older and it, like learns to be better. Um, it gave for some reason it gave Pixar feelings. Um, it felt like it felt like a Pixar story essentially. Yeah. Um. But his friends, Teeths, um, Floor, and Lila, yeah, such a such a poetic ending, and you would think, oh, Rocket, please don't go to light, and then they're like, no, you, this is your away. story, yeah, this has yeah. always been your story. You've been the main character the whole mm. time. Mm. It's kind of James Gunn since Guardian saying, yeah, Rocket's kind of kind of the main character, and I kind of see that. Uh, especially um, when it comes to Guardians 2 where Peter and Rocket are kind of main characters on their yeah, own they, they have their own force camera scenes yeah and then in this movie it's completely 
um, turned around where mm. Rock is the main character, even though it's mostly flashbacks because he saw the operating table, and yeah. Peter's it's it's his best friend going into cardiac arrest and him crying. Mm. It's so powerful, and especially with the final scene, I I, I can admit it in the cinema. I was a mess, probably flooded the entire yeah, cinema yeah. Um, because I was just so happy. I think mm. the line that, that broke me the most was Nebula talking to Drax. Today, I saw who you are. You weren't born to be a destroyer. You were born to be a dad. That, that broke me into a million pieces. And then mm. Drax's whole um shtick turned into a narrative was only idiots dance and then at the end he's finally at peace and he's mm. dancing with the kids like the dad he would have been to his daughter yeah uh, i these james gun goodbye to yeah. uh, mantis very emotional yeah so i'm very excited to see what james gun does with superman if we get that level of narrative and character development um, but yeah, I feel like this movie is, again, incredible, like the other two. If we, if we could go back in time, what would you rate the movie? I do believe I gave that movie a 7, right? If I remember correctly. No, I do not remember that. Has has your rating changed or is it still uh, the same? I think it'll stay the same because it was, it was a great movie, yes. It had mm. very strong emotional ties. However, it would not be what I would say is like the perfect movie. Yeah, um, I see what you mean, but I'm sticking to my guns of a 10. Um, these three uh, are 10s for different reasons, mm, mm, mm. Uh, but it's just Guardians. It was James Gunn's magnum opus. Mm. He did his job incredibly well. And I think it's a beautiful farewell to these characters. Better than Flash. <laughs> Anything's better than Flash. Um, yeah. Um, now, still on the topic of best, um, best media this year. Now, a, a niche thing. Um, again, it's the same with television. Best video game um, contenders of the year. I want to start with the one everyone's going to say and could possibly win Game of the Year. Mm. The Legend of Zelda and Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> Have you played it? Automatically, it is very difficult to tell. Yeah, I, I don't have a Nintendo Switch, but I do love me some um, Zelda. It link. is very strong, let me tell you that. And Okay, <clears throat> so. Starfield. We need to talk about this. Starfield. Oh. Who is the game they'll make or break this year? This game comes out September. Yep. And this game needs, it's a requirement for this game to do it. it needs to hit it. Starfield could easily be the greatest or the worst game of the generation. Yes. Yes. There's no be, there's no middle. No in between. There is no no in between. In, it can't have an in between because of the fans. Oh, it's it's either going to be a very big W for, for Bethesda and Xbox, especially Bethesda, mm. or one of the greatest abominations of all time. This is why I'm saying Starfield. Oh, We need to look out for this 
game? Because <laughs> this is Todd Howard's magnum opus, is what he said. Oh. It's, it's like, big hurrah, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. big, big Toddy boy. Uh, if if he lands it, then yeah, Legend of the Zelda, uh, Legend, Legend of Zelda, uh, Tears of the Kingdom Ooh. will be just flowing out mm. the water for Game of the Year. The, the game doesn't have much potential Tears of the Kingdom, yeah. Yeah. Where Redfall, for example, dropped, Atomic Heart kind of fell. You know, it, there was mm. a lot of like games that came out this year that kind of. Yeah, uh, okay, let's bring a back burner on Starfield, we'll get to that, mm-hmm. now, <laughs> we're looking at, do you think there's any possibility for, for something like Resident Evil 4 Remake, because sometimes remakes make it into Game of the Year, do you I think would that... like to say, this remake is one of the strongest remakes as well. It's incredible. It's up there with Final it's, Fantasy it's 4. It's, it's the strongest one, you know? It, it, yeah. it, it, it hits all the numbers that it needs to hit. It's yeah. Good. Do you think, along with the 4, Diablo yeah. 4 could, could because I know you've been playing a lot of Diablo uh, 4. Diablo 4 does, it will not make Game of the Year. No, it, will never, it won't even be close. Diablo 4 is just for people who casually like to play MMORPGs, yeah? And mm. create characters and play with friends. Yeah. However, the impact that it had on the gaming sphere isn't as strong as what we would, as I was saying, with Zelda. And it could be Starfield. I would I also feel, like to yeah. bring out the fact, yeah, that mm. games like uh, Forsaken, Forspoken, sorry? Yes. Just did not have what it needed to be a triple game no and no oh okay so so my personal game of the year is street fighter 6 uh, i could go into detail for for days Action fights it's all there you know Mate, story it's, it's all there it's the most versatile fighting game of all time it has everything for new to old players mm. you know I, I instead of selling the game just go play it it is however the yes. game is very, the community is very niche. It's now, a very yeah. niche community of Street Fighter game players, yeah? Mm. As you have to understand, the fighting uh, game community, like, for example, Tekken, Street Fighter, uh, Mortal Kombat, Injustice, mm. all of these games is so minor to the point where I would say games such as, like, StarCraft, Dota, you know? Legend of Zelda, you know, all these like it, it doesn't have the same target audience group, I would say. Unfortunately, even with that, Street Fighter does not beat, uh, yeah, it doesn't beat Legend of Zelda. Um, but it, when you talk yeah. about creativity, a fighting game can go so far, you know. Don't I, I mean, absolutely, I can't go into so much detail into Street Fighter 6. Yeah, yeah, of course. No, no, it has, I, I, as I said, I've seen it, yeah? Yeah. It looks amazing, especially with, like, everything you can do in it, yeah? Definitely. The, but the core gameplay is what I'm saying. Like, the core gameplay is fighting, right? Called Street Fighters, you know? Yeah, you just punch someone on the street yeah, and, and just like, they have a health bar, you know? It, it's, the combat system is, you see it, yeah? Yeah. But then you would have to look at Legend of Zelda. You can kill people with a rock that you don't even throw. 
Yeah, I give it that because you can make mix and you just turn into Pacific Rim. That's but, what I'm saying. Um, Starfield yeah. might. Starfield might. If they think. Yeah. If it's not how it's magnum opus, yeah? <laughs> Hopefully. These two games will clash. These two titans will clash. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Ooh! Another game I want to talk about. Uh, it got shadow dropped at the Xbox um, yes. developers showcase. A, a beautiful little action rhythm game. Hi-Fi Rush. Uh, Hi-Fi Rush wasn't this year though. It was. It was January 25th. Uh, it was January 25th it got shadow dropped uh, by Tango Gameworks. Uh, I felt sorry for those who had it leaked. Um, I oh, yes, it hit 25th of January. However, yeah. there's an issue with that. What? I feel as if hopefully it gets put into the like ratings, like it, it can be voted on, yeah? Yeah, it, it, it should be. Yeah, it should be. It should be. But if people forgotten, you know, like, you know, a lot of yeah. games can really get forgotten about if it's released early, unless if it's like a very main stage game, yeah? For spoken. For spoken. <laughs> January twenty fourth, you know. I I felt sorry for. for the issue was yeah. no, but the issue with Hi Fi Rush was the fact that For Spoken hit twenty fourth of January. Yeah. And Hi Fi Rush was twenty fifth, and it just did not match up good with the timeline, you know. For Spoken is such an expensive game. Oh no! Uh, what was it? Um, Hi Fi Rush actually had twenty four thousand consecutive. Um, as, streaming on 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 steam mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and forspoken was at 6700 on the yes. same day <laughs> so i think it's forspoken's advertising and yeah no no but forspoken's gameplay apparently is really bad so i i felt bad because this is the same team that developed don't don't roast me in the comments my favorite final fantasy apart from 7 15 um yeah. they they made spoken and I was like, oh, this looks incredible. Speaking of Final Fantasy, Final Ooh, Fantasy 16. 16. Yes. yes, that might also be a game of the year. Uh, Again, um, <laughs> as Tears of the Kingdom is a better game because you could do more. But, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. No, but I'm saying it's like you could be in the top five, is what I'm saying. Yeah, you can um, see, I, I have yet to play it. I'll probably buy a PS5 uh, I've been told, I've been told, yeah, mm. that the combat is very smooth. Yes. However, there are like, unfortunately, like things that make combat super easy compared to other stuff. Uh, it's from the same game directors, De- uh, Devil May Cry. So yes. it's very action game. As I said, it is the way a person plays it, I believe, but it looks like it. Yeah, um, from Final Fantasy XV being like complicated and gameplay, but it was an action game, to this where it's super simple and people are complaining about that, which definitely, again, uh, I come back from uh, I come from a fighting game back, uh, background where complicated combos and everything, and I love fighting games and that, so like High Five Rush or something. But um, yeah, Final Fantasy XVI looks like a, a perfect game. It looks like it takes it back to the medieval times of Final Fantasy One, um, but yeah, sixteen. Looks like it could possibly be Game of the Year, but 
I haven't played it. It's in the running for it, is what I expect it to be. Yeah, until what I start expect, So, top 5 games I expect to be in Game of the Year. Yes. Tears of the Kingdom. Mm. Resident Evil 4 Remake. Yeah. Uh, maybe Final Fantasy 7 16, yeah? Mm hmm. Maybe Street Fighter 6 or Diablo 4, either one of those two, yeah? Yeah. And then I'm hoping Starfield. Yeah, um, I think how, um, how they would do it would be definitely Tetris Kingdom. If Starfield lands, definitely Starfield. Then I would say Resident Evil 4. Yes. I would think because of how well it did and how good the story is, they will put Star Wars Jedi Survivor on there. Uh, minus all the bugs and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the story to the critics and especially the audience, they loved it. They just wanted the next game. And Final Fantasy 16 will definitely be in there. But there could be another game out this year, apart from Starfield, that could blow our minds and go, hey. But also on the topic of video games, a, a big video game got, well, it was already announced, but big trailer came out was Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. Uh, Epsilon, what are your thoughts on this upcoming Final Fantasy 7 story? It's gonna finish it, I believe, right? It's the second part? Um, there's one more game after this. Yeah, oh, okay. So it's like the middle section of the story. Yeah, um, finally being out of Midgar, um, going to... I can't wait for that, because that was literally what I played for. Yeah, um, Final Fantasy VII, one of my favorite stories of all time. Um, finally going to places like Khan, and going to go get the golden chocobo, and, and do stuff like this, fight it. I, I, um, the fact that this is on two discs, <laughs> kind of bringing back um, old school PS1 times where this uh, Final Fantasy VII used to be on five discs, um, because it was such a big game. Um, I feel like the third game could be on three discs because you're hearing the fight kaijus and everything. Mm. Spoilers. Maybe they may add yeah, um, Final Fantasy Seven. Well, just the fact is Square Enix and like, you know, um, the, these types of games, yeah? Mm. Uh, especially when I play King of Hearts, love to add secret bosses to the of stages. Yeah, the only thing that's really stopping Tessa Kingdom from winning, it would be Starfield. Yeah. It's kind of like Elden Ring versus God of War last year. Yeah, exactly. What could stop like that? Yeah, it's, it's massive. Um, anyway, that was the uh, best um, movies and video games this year. Um, now, to finish it off, we are talking about the box office, which was covered from the 3rd of June yep. to the 9th of June, which is today. Yes. Number one at the box office is Indiana Jones and the Dollar Destiny, with an opening weekend of $60.4 million. A New Zealand opening weekend of $619.8,000 and total of $172.5 million in one week. What are your thoughts on that, Epsilon? Uh, Dial of Destiny is number five? Number one. Number one. It's opening weekend. <laughs> I feel as though it is deserved as the last indie film. 
Mm. People are mostly rewatching it for you know the the classic Indiana Jones. I feel it though. Yeah, and nostalgic. Yeah. yeah, nostalgia hit hard. Yeah, I feel like it's it's deserved. Again, these movies are so clumped together. They kind of, I I wish they were more spread out. Um, but yeah, I think this is well deserved for an indie flick. Um, in you today's feel world, it though, however, that it's going to uh, on unop- like slowly just lose its spot on the uh, leaderboard quickly compared to fully, or do you think it's going to stay there? I I think it will stay there until Mission Impossible next week, which opens in the states on the twelfth. Um, I think. For. Pardon. For total box office. Oh, for total box office. Um, I think it could easily reach three hundred and fifty with its pace right now. Mm. But it's all down to word of mouth, really. Instead of what is your critics. Uh, I, I think these are okay numbers. Um, these are what I expect from an Indiana Jones film because this is mostly. Yeah, um, these are mostly like old school. Um, like we've watched them since mm. we were kids. We're watching that now on the big screen, and I think sixty point four million on its opening weekend and a total of one hundred seventy-two. It's gonna survive two to three weeks on the. Uh, leaderboard or it, it will survive this week because Mission Impossible doesn't come out till next week mm-hmm. um, it will still be at number one um, but I think the drop will be 60% maybe it will, it will probably be making 25 million this weekend mm-hmm. uh, I'm predicting but other than that I think it will hit 300 million quite smoothly oh. Because at number two, it's Elemental, with its opening weekend at twenty nine point six million. New Zealand opening weekend at one hundred ninety eight point four thousand dollars, and total so far in three weeks two hundred point nine million. Epsilon, you have watched the film. Does it deserve that, or does it deserve uh, yes, more? I, think so. uh, I feel that it will push to three hundred, just. Because of its emotional thing, uh, emotional uh, ties. Uh, last time I went to the movie theater this week, uh, it was very much packed. It is a very packed film, like screening, though, even with three weeks going by. This feels like a film that kids will watch, therefore, I feel as though, like, uh, it's more along the lines of when the kids watches it and holidays have just come up for them so I think it's more time now than ever to watch it yeah it is I think it does turn break right mm. Mm. yeah so the kiddies will be at the cinemas and it's A it's a Pixar film but B I think it would have made more but there's been some negative word of mouth around this film um, but I think if th- these are usually people that haven't watched mm. the movie mm. um by by your standards, yeah, go watch the film. It's in cinemas right now, and yeah. the visuals, the animation looks great. Mm. Maybe not. Uh, sadly, it, it had to kind of spar with Spider Man with the mm. animation department, but I think it's all love on the animation side, both studios. Mm. So, I I think it could hit three hundred million 
but we'll we'll see how it is next week yeah and number three now we're back with spider-man across the spider-verse yeah. which has an which had an opening weekend of 120.7 million new zealand opening weekend with a whopping 812,000. and total so far today 619.7 million in five weeks it's actually been an entire month how do you think spider-man across the spider-verse is tracking do you think it should do more or less i think it should hit a little bit more i think total i think 800 mil seems like a fine number yeah this is uh, 619.7 mil is astronomically high compared to its predecessor in 2018 yes but yeah until spider-verse had little to no word of mouth until the movie came out Mm. like the trailers now did 24 million or something but back then mm. it was like 1.7 million yeah. views or something but this movie it's it's holding so much and again it goes down to merchandising and also how great the animation is and the mm. music yeah mm. i think this movie should deserve around 800 900 million but it is what it is and well deserved yes at number four uh, again for the second week no hard feelings opening uh, uh, opening weekend last week and 15 million a news in opening somehow 119.7 thousand and a total of 56.9 million in two weeks for a rom-com steering Jennifer Lawrence I think it's doing well what are yeah. your thoughts I think because it's you know not as impactful as these the, the top three yeah mm. It wasn't gonna beat that. However, yeah. Uh, uh, personally, I didn't watch this film. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know how much impact it'll have, but I think yeah. because of the fans liking the way Jennifer Lawrence looks. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't watched it myself. I think it just seems like a fun rom com that yeah. is kind of needed in today's climate yeah. of just negativity just a little bit of fun but mm. i'm glad such a niche thing is at least getting this sort of traction and uh, we'll mm. see how it goes and when it gets to a month but so far yeah i, I think it's tracking well mm. now for number five to close off the top five transformers rise of the beast just can't get out of the top five it's doing well opening weekend of 61 million Sadly, um, New Zealand opening weekend, which um, we don't know, it doesn't come up on Box Office Mojo, but mm. it's currently uh, grossed 1.15 million here in New Zealand, even though it opened late compared to the rest of the world, and it's currently grossed 388.31 million in four weeks. What are your thoughts about that, Epsilon? Uh, sounds about right. It sounds it's very strong within. You know, this, this kind of sphere of movies, yeah? Uh, it was a very, I feel as a uh, relatable movie, I guess, for the human characters within this film. So it felt like, yeah, this was something that, you know, people saw and believed to be correct. Yeah, um, there's a lot of heart in this movie. Um, I, I'm still telling people to go watch it and people who have watched it came back to me and said 
this was hype and I was like I told you so I told you so that final battle was hype um, but I'm glad people are watching the movie um, and I hope more people watch this movie whether it's on streaming or anything we kind of want this saga to continue especially with the G.I. Joe segments we kind of want that to have a future so, so people go, go watch the movie go watch the movie it's a lot of fun that's a great box office so far this year do we wish films such as Transformers Rise of the Beast um, made more? Yes, of course. But looking at the coming weeks, we'll be discussing and reviewing Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1, and the next episodes of Warrior and Secret Invasion. As we look at the apocalypse of Barbie and Oppenheimer being imminent <laughs> in the coming weeks, which will be crazy. Barbenheimer, here we come. Epsilon, any closing thoughts? Uh, I would say this has been a great week, especially for films that have come out, yeah? Uh, I would like to say I enjoyed its uh, runs that have been happening so far, so apparently everything's going great. I would say some movies I was shocked to find out they made more than what I would expect. Specifically the uh, No Hard Feelings, however others, you know, made what I was expecting and I yeah. my closing thoughts are that I'm hoping for the best for these upcoming releases as it is again becoming tight at the cinemas and with how many people uh, if you look at the um, opening weekend of Oppenheimer and Barbie they're becoming sold out I gotta buy us tickets um, but yeah, they're starting to sell out very quickly, which is surprising as uni starts again around the same week as Oppenheimer. So, you know, um, but I can't wait. Um, looking forward for these upcoming releases. Um, and I'm glad movies are back. Anyway, we are the Movie Bros Podcast, a podcast that has been on hiatus for four plus years since Captain Marvel's box office numbers. I am your host, Recreant King, with your co-host Epsilon, and I wish you all a happy Duang, and that's us signing out.